Well, welcome everybody back to the Northborough Church of Christ YouTube channel and just want to thank everybody again for tuning in to the podcast and to the videos on YouTube. Um, let's just get right into it. In Exodus 14, we find Israel not quite free from the Egyptians yet. They are uh, heading out of Egypt. They are in the wilderness of Sinai. And they are camped along the Red Sea, and they have land pretty much restricting their movement on the other side of them. And so Pharaoh looks at this, and he sees this as an advantage. And he says, oh, they're, they're trapped. They have nowhere to go. They're, uh, in front of them is the Red Sea, and behind them is land, which um, either they have to come back to me or go north. Either way, I've got them. And I've entitled the message, At the Sea They Saw. What is it that Israel saw before they crossed the Red Sea? They see Pharaoh and his armies chasing after them. They're marching towards them, and they're going to attempt to overtake them. They also see the cloud in front of them, and they also see the angel of the Lord and Moses. In the Red Sea. And as we go through Exodus chapter 14, we're going to see the different responses uh, that Israel had and Moses and the Egyptians as they all saw different things. The question I have for all of us and for you is anything too difficult for God? Jeremiah tells us in Jeremiah chapter 32. That nothing is too difficult for the Lord. God has told Jeremiah to buy these deeds and buy this land so that when Israel does come back from Babylonian captivity, that they could buy the land and claim the land as their own again. And so Jeremiah does this. He goes back and forth and he gets the deeds. And the Lord says this to him, starting in verse 15. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses, houses and fields and vineyards will again be brought and bought in this land. This is just before the Babylonian captivity and Nebuchadnezzar is about to take them. And so the Lord says this and commands Jeremiah to get these deeds. In verse 16, after I had given the deed of purchase to Baruch, the son of Neriah, then I prayed to the Lord saying, Ah, Lord God. Behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. When you think about the history of the Egyptians and the history of the Hebrews in Egypt and all of the plagues that we've gone through so far, we may ask the question or say, as Jeremiah did, there's nothing that's too difficult for God. And Maybe even in your own life, I know in my life, sometimes I doubt that. If I'm honest, I, I sometimes do. This is just too difficult. At least it's too difficult for me. And sometimes that's true in life, isn't it? There's some things that by ourselves or on our own, it is too difficult. But with the help of God, he'll see us through it. you believe that? I pray that you do. We're going to see by the Red Sea, 
what Pharaoh saw and the Egyptian army, what Moses saw and what the Hebrews saw. And I pray that it is an, an encouragement that we as Christians, by fixing our eyes on Jesus, we can avoid fear that leads to irrational thinking. I know that I am a um, violator of this. I can often get so down sometimes that I have these irrational thoughts that lead to further sadness and, and concern. And I need to avoid that. And I want to encourage you to try and, and to be able to avoid that as well. I'm going to take a look at Moses's example through all of this because he really stands as a pillar during this time. And you can imagine, you can understand why given what God has done through him and Aaron, just to get them to this point. It's quite, it's tremendous, the uh, plagues that we see in Egypt. And then we want to look at the fruitlessness of giving up. There's no fruit in that. We've been a Christian for decades, and then we give up. There's no fruit there. We want to be those who continue to run the race with endurance, right? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he, he uh, despising the shame, he endured the cross and is set down at the right hand of the majesty, the right hand of God. And so we want as Christians to fix our eyes on him. And so we want to avoid fear that leads to irrational thinking. We want to look at Moses' example and the fruitlessness of giving up. In Exodus chapter 14, we read, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Tell the sons of Israel to turn back and camp before Pahaharoth between Migdal and the sea. You shall camp in front of Baal-Zephon, opposite it, by the sea. For Pharaoh will say to the sons of Israel, They are wandering aimlessly in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. See, and so he thinks they're trapped. We've got the wilderness on one side and the sea on the other. Let's go get them. Thus I will harden Pharaoh's heart, Excuse me, verse 3, for Pharaoh will say to, of the sons of Israel, they are wandering aimlessly in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. Thus I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And they did so. And so here they are camped by the Red Sea. They have got the wilderness surrounding them, and Pharaoh's in pursuit. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart toward the people, and they said, What is this we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made his chariot ready, and took his people with him, and he took six hundred select chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he chased after the sons of Israel as the sons of Israel were going out boldly. Remember that. They're going out boldly. Then the Egyptians chased after them with all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and they overtook them camping by the sea, besides Pihaharoth in front of Baal-Zephon. And so here we have Pharaoh and his army. They've caught up to the Hebrews. And he thinks he's got them. Brothers and sisters, we read next that when Israel saw them, they were afraid. In verse 10, we see this, and we want to look at their response and just see how irrational they became in their thinking. Now, it says they went out boldly. 
right? They saw the miracles of God. They saw the plagues. They saw the death of the firstborn. They slaughtered the lamb in the Passover. They left without any leaven in their bread. And now they find themselves on the brink of freedom. Boldly approaching it. And they turn to look back. In verse 10, as Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked. What did they see? And behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Immediately, they see the Egyptian army coming after them. And in their minds, where do they go? It's all over. This is the end. We should have dug our graves in Egypt. Have you ever done that before? Have, Have you ever come across a trial or a trying time in life and it's just so difficult (laughs) you automatically go there in your mind well it's all over this is going to end bad there's no way that god can cause all things to work together for good through this might as well dig my grave and that's exactly what the egyptian uh what israel has done here they see pharaoh's army in pursuit and it's all over without any thought of all of the plagues that God had just brought upon Egypt to free them. All of the things that God has just done through Moses and Aaron, bringing them thus far with basically ransacking the Egyptians. They took a a lot of their wealth with them. And they see Pharaoh's army in pursuit. And it's all over. They were afraid and it led to irrational thinking they they favored slavery over freedom they said didn't we tell you to leave us alone so that we could serve the egyptians see our minds can do that can't they fear that we have of a particular situation or something can come up and our minds automatically go to well, it would have been better if I just stayed there or uh, might as well start digging my grave now. They thought it better to be ruled by Pharaoh rather than God. Leave us alone, Moses. We told you to leave us alone when we were in Egypt. We were better off. It's better to die in Egypt than to die in the wilderness. Automatically thinking that their lives are already over how it was going to end. Have they forgotten how they got this far? And brothers and sisters, if you've lived long enough, you've been a Christian long enough, you understand that question. Have we forgotten how we've made it this far as Christians? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge God or acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Let's not be too hard on ourselves. I pray that all of us, we've done that in our lives. Not perfectly, but we've done that. 
We've trusted in the Lord, and by his grace, we've gotten this far. And we can't forget how we got this far. The, the Hebrews in that moment did. They took their eyes off of God. They took their eyes off of the cloud, a pillar of cloud, and off of Moses, and onto the Egyptian armies. And they thought the fight had been lost already. I can be that way sometimes. I can come across a very difficult situation, and I guess I'm just a pessimist anyway, so that doesn't help. But the end, I'm certain, is going to be bad. Or I'm going to lose this battle. It hasn't even begun yet. Fear that leads to irrational thinking can be avoided if we can fix our eyes on Jesus. If Israel had stayed focused on the pillar of cloud and the angel of the Lord and Moses and what God had already done, it's not to say that they wouldn't have a little bit of fear, but it wouldn't have led to irrationality. It wouldn't have led to a wrong conclusion. It wouldn't have led to despair in a sense of, might as well dig our graves. It's all over. Here they come. And that's why I say, Jeremiah says, is anything too difficult for the Lord? Israel's about to be taken out in Jeremiah into Babylon as exiles. And yet he's telling, God is telling Jeremiah, buy these tracts of land. Because land and vineyards will be bought again when I bring Israel back in. Is anything too difficult for God? And brothers and sisters, you may feel surrounded, maybe. Maybe you feel surrounded by enemies or surrounded by Satan or surrounded by the darkness that's in the world we live in. But is anything too difficult for God? You take a look at Moses. Moses was so certain in this moment. Uh, it really shows his fortitude, his character, and the reason why God chose him. I think this, this really um, exemplifies the choice that God, the, the, the great choice that God made in choosing Moses to be the one to lead them out. And so the Israelites go to Moses in verse 11. Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it have, would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And that's, that's sad. But Moses said to the people, do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord. Moses was certain about salvation. Now, uh, we often teach, not often, but we, we can hear teaching that says once saved, always saved is a false doctrine. And it is. I think Hebrews 6 is a, a really good text to go to point someone to that idea of uh, falling away can take place. But brothers and sisters, I think it is true that we can be certain about our salvation. 
And that certainty leads to a righteous living, doesn't it? Doesn't lead to a boastful, uh, licentious life, right? Do not use your salvation or freedom as a covering for sin, right? But I do think that we can have some certainty with our salvation. And I pray that you can say amen to that. Are you certain that you're in Christ? Are you certain that salvation awaits you? Are you certain that eternal life with the Father is yours? Yes. Yes and amen. Moses was certain here. He had saw what God had done through the plagues. He had seen Pharaoh put his tail between his legs too many times, run with his tail between his legs, and renege on his word. And he knew what God was going to do now. He may not have known exactly how it was going to play out, but he knew Israel was going to be saved. And brothers and sisters, that's the confidence we can have and need to have as Christians. It's one of the things that Satan, I think, likes to do. He likes to play with our mind and get us to question whether we're saved or not. And if we are in Christ living a righteous life, then brothers and sisters, it's by what he has done for us. The same as it's going to be here for the Israelites. Who saved Israel? God. God did. And there's a part they had to play. But God parted the waters. Israel had to walk through. He was certain about how it was going to end for the Egyptian army, and this is pretty impressive. Think about this statement. In verse 13 of Exodus 14, But Moses said to the people, Do not fear, stand by, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. How did he know that? In Moses' mind, one way or another, this is it. They're not coming after us after this. And we're not going back to them. Now, whether or not he knew they would be tossed into the sea and swept away, I don't know. But in his mind, he knew this is it. We're not going to see them anymore. It's over today and brothers and sisters i think that's confidence in god no matter who the enemy no matter what is trailing us from behind god is working and god is fighting for us and though we may not feel it i know i don't feel it sometimes i feel very alone and isolated at times I think partly because that's what I want. I want to be alone. I want to be isolated. Moses is so certain. He was certain about salvation. He was certain about uh, the end of the Egyptian army. And he was also certain about who was fighting for them. In verse 14, he says, The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Now imagine the scene. You're surrounded by the wilderness and the Egyptian army on one side. You've got the Red Sea on the other, which can be pretty intimidating, too, if you have seen big bodies of water before. You see the pillar of uh, cloud. You see Moses. You see all of your brethren around you. Now, you're already afraid. 
the text tells us that you are. You see the Egyptian army. You're, you're beginning to be irrational. Who's fighting for you? What do you focus on? You focus on the armies? You focus on trying to figure out how you're going to be able to fight them? Try to figure out how maybe you, there's some way that you can um, go north or south or somehow figure out a different way around the armies? Because you can't go through the Red Sea. You drown. You focus on the pillar of cloud. You, you focus on Moses. Who do you focus on? And all that's going on right now. In verse 15, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? <laughs> Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. Isn't that like God? In this tumultuous, noisy, enemy-filled environment, Moses says, stand by, basically do nothing. And then God says, go forward. Well, go forward where? Go forward where, God? As for you, Moses, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Say what, God? Divide the sea. This one? The the one that's in front of us, is anything too difficult for God? It's amazing that Moses does it. We can look over that faith that he displayed. You want me to raise my hands in the staff and divide the sea? And the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. God talks about how he's hardening Pharaoh's heart. That Pharaoh would honor God because Pharaoh's army is about to be swallowed up by the Red Sea. And God causes this east wind to come and divides and parts the sea and on the right it's like a wall and on the left it's like a wall to the israelites and guess what they do they go through in hebrews 11 verse 29 it says by faith israel passed through the red sea it took faith for them to be quiet to be silent in the midst of chaos. It took faith for them to stand by and see the salvation of the Lord when their enemies are pursuing them and surrounding them. It took faith for them to move forward and not allow their fear to paralyze them. Through 
pretty deep sea. So fixing our eyes on Jesus, we can avoid fear that leads to irrational thinking. They favored slavery over freedom when they became afraid. They would rather be in Egypt than here. They thought it better to be ruled by Pharaoh than God. Do you think it's better to be ruled by Satan than God? They uh, had forgotten how they got that far. Have you forgotten how you've gotten this far? And they thought the fight had been lost already. Brothers and sisters, we have to remember who's fighting for us. We're not fighting on our own. We take up the full armor of God, but we're not alone. God is fighting for us. Moses' example is a stellar one in this moment. He was certain about salvation. He was certain about how it was going to end for the Egyptian army. And he was certain about who was fighting for them. We can have the same certainty. We know how it's going to end for Satan. We know how it's going to end for those who do not obey the gospel. That's not fun for us to say, but we are certain because of what God has said. And we are certain about who is fighting for us. And we are certain that there is nothing that is too difficult for our God. And so fear that leads to irrational thinking can be avoided by fixing our eyes on Jesus and also the fruitlessness of giving up. What if they hadn't gone through? What if they had been so full of fear that they couldn't press forward and Moses couldn't part the seas? What if they had allowed their fear to paralyze them? Well, if you think about it, if they hadn't gone through, they wouldn't have been saved. And you said, well, um, then they already um, sacrificed the Passover lamb. Then they already uh, do all of that. Yeah, and the blood of the Passover lamb was to have the death angel pass over those homes, right? And we know it. But they weren't free from Pharaoh and his army yet. This passing through the Red Sea by faith, by the working of God, finally set them free from Egyptian slavery. I think that's important for us to remember. It's important for us to remember because I think that parallels, if you will, our, our baptism. When you think about passing through the water and the water mm -hmm. that surrounded them and the cloud that they were under and being baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, as 1 Corinthians 10 tells us. It wasn't until after they did this that they were freed from e Egypt. And that's not taking anything away from the sacrifice of the lamb, is it? No, not at all. If anything, it works in tangent. It works together. And so many people, I was talking with somebody just today about it. You know, the, there's no controversy about baptism in the Bible. You know where the controversy comes from? From man. People in the Bible in the New Testament, they wanted to be saved. They got baptized. It's there. 
It's that simple. There was no controversy. There was no debating. What, what was it for? Is it this? Is it that? Peter t taught it. Paul taught it. Baptism is there whether we like it or not. And it says, by faith, they went through the Red Sea. But who saved them? God. God is the one who parted the seas. Would you say that Israel earned their way out of Egypt? Absolutely not. But they did have to obey. And brothers and sisters, be reminded of that. As I remind myself that when we came up out of the watery grave, we were free. And we remain free in Christ. In John 8, 34, if the Son sets you free, then you shall be free indeed. And brothers and sisters, that's what we are in Christ. If they'd allowed their fear to paralyze them, they would have been enslaved again. And brothers and sisters, we can't allow, I can't allow any fear that I have to become irrational thinking. My fear needs to be matched with the scriptures. Not with my own thinking, which is what can happen. Unless my thinking is in line with the truth of the gospel. So at the sea, they saw God working. At the sea, they saw what the Lord was able to do in the midst of chaos. In the midst of what they saw as an impossible scenario. In Hebrews chapter 12, we know these, don't we? Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The fruitlessness of giving up. And brothers and sisters, there's no way that we can. Israel could have given up right there at the Red Sea, but they didn't. And I think it's because they saw, they focused on God. Not their enemies. Not the impossibility of the task that God had given. But on God. And they stood by and watched God deliver them. But how do we fix our eyes on Jesus? Would you say that if you were to think about a relative or a, your spouse or um, a neighbor, that you were fixing your eyes on them when you were thinking about them? If I think about April, 
throughout the day? Am I fixing my eyes on her? Yes. My mind's eye is contemplating, or as the New American Standard here, it says consider, right, in verse 3, for consider him. I'm considering her. I'm considering whomever I may think about during the day. And so I am fixing my eyes on that person. The same is true about Jesus. When I contemplate, when I consider, when I think on him, I'm fixing my eyes on him. When I think about his life and his teachings, I'm fixing my eyes on him. When I think about his death, burial, and resurrection, I'm fixing my eyes on him. When I think about his promise of returning one day, I am fixing my eyes on Jesus. Now tell me, if I am to do that consistently throughout any given day, how much irrational fear or irrational thinking will I do? But when I've taken my eyes off of him, that opens the door for my own thinking, my own reasoning. Satan can implant thoughts, which can lead to despair and disruption of faith. And brothers and sisters, we have a good example of fixing our eyes on the salvation of the Lord in Exodus 14. In verse 26, then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may come back over the Egyptians, over their chariots and their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its normal state at daybreak while the Egyptians were fleeing right into it. Then the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, even Pharaoh's entire army that had gone into the sea after them. Not even one of them remained. But the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea, and the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus, the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. And when Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. So what are you fixing your eyes on today? Is it on the chaos? Does it feel like you're surrounded? There's a song now I'm reminded of. It says, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And he's talking about God. May that be our hope. That although... There's chaos, although there may be the Red Sea in front of us and Pharaoh's army behind us, and we feel like we have nowhere to go. Ask ourselves, ask yourself, is anything too difficult for God? God bless you. May you be encouraged by this uh, brief message, and I hope that you would join us in person or on, online at the Northbrook Church of Christ. You can get all the information about uh, Jesus and about what we try to do as a church in Northboro if you visit our website at northboroughcoc.org. Take care.